Prestige heads and welcome to a special American Prestige. I'm Danny Bessner here as always with my friend and comrade Derek Davison. And we are excited to be joined by James Lin, Assistant Professor of International Studies and Head of the Taiwan Program at the University of Washington. James, thank you again so much for joining us. Thanks for having me again. Uh, so we're going to do a little bit of a, a special today because um, President Joseph Biden said something a bit concerning, um, or perhaps not concerning as the case may be. James, you could correct me if he I'm tried wrong. tried to draw the face of a clock and it was <laughs> chaos. And he came up with a Taiwan policy. So, so James, maybe you could just say... Um, what did Biden say? And then we could talk a little bit about this this thing called strategic ambiguity, which is the approach that the United States has had toward Taiwan since, um, if I recall correctly, the 1970s. So, uh, James, maybe you could just let us know a little bit about what's going on here. Sure. So, uh, President Biden is on an Asia tour right now, and he was in front of an audience of reporters and one of the reporters has asked him what I think is a, a, a very kind of routine question that doesn't need to be asked. It's, it's, a, it's a policy question that the answer should be the same every time, but we got a different answer this time. He asked, is the United States committed to the defense of Taiwan? And, you know, the official U.S. policy, as you said, since the 1970s, and some historians have argued, really, that the roots of that policy existed in the 1950s. Um, and he said, we are committed to the defense of Taiwan, which is not the official U.S. position. And the reporter, you know, I think the, the reports were that he was shot. He says, are you sure? And Biden <laughs> says, yes. <laughs> oh, I love I, that. I love that, man. <laughs> so I, don't, I have to say, though, I don't know why this is a surprise, because he's made this same gaffe, and you can put that in quotes if you want, but at least one other time, and I think twice. Two or three other times. You are right. Uh, he's he's done this. He's redefined, just off the cuff, redefined <laughs> U.S. policy toward Taiwan for the hell of it. Um, and I think at one point even made a comment on Taiwanese independence that was inconsistent with U.S. policy. So uh, this is this is a regular. He loves doing this. I think he loves doing this more than he loves telling you know rambling stories about his childhood in Scranton, PA. Uh, this is like his favorite presidential thing to do. Yeah, you're absolutely right, Derek. I think this is either the third or fourth time um, that he's basically asked the same question. And he says yes, and then almost immediately, the administration officials, whether it's the State Department or the White House, immediately walks it back and says, "No, the United States has not changed its policy towards Taiwan." And so, like, I think the first or second time it happens, I'm we- sorry to laugh, but they they move more quickly on this than they do on like not having baby formula uh, to. <laughs> to feed babies that they, they move faster on this. Yeah. The only thing on they move faster like on is sending arms to Ukraine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I think, I think, um, uh, you know, the first time it happened, you know, for sure, we could say, you know, president Biden is a little bit old, you know, it was a gaffe. The second time, you know, we, we start to question his, you know, really mm, like how old is he right. now the fourth time. And people are starting to wonder is, is he really, doing this as a gaffe or or is he actually kind of making the 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 silent part saying the silent part out loud and so i think this is the big discussion now in at least among the Taiwan watchers that i'm seeing 
So James, maybe you could just describe before we get into that, what is this policy? Because it's relatively complicated. Um, you know, it's not, it's, it's an ambiguous policy. So why don't you say what is, what is going on here? Uh, so listeners who might not know, uh, could get a sense. Yeah. So strategic ambiguity refers to the position of the United States with regards to any kind of conflict that might break out between China and Taiwan. And it's strategic because it's meant to be, you know, it's done on purpose that the United States does not want to state explicitly what it would do in the case of some sort of conflict. Um, and what this does is it, it provides the United States with a little bit of flexibility in terms of determining how, when it seeks to intervene in China-Taiwan matters. And secondly, it provides dual deterrence. Um, and I think that this is probably the, the intent. And historically, how, how it's played out is this has been a, a stabilizing presence. It's deterred Beijing from making any unilateral moves um, because it, it doesn't know how the United States would react, whether it might um, you know, utilize the full force of the U.S. military. Um, and it also provides deterrence to Taipei because theoretically, you know, there are um, uh, people, some people in Taiwan would have, uh, you know, historically speaking, have had a little bit more of a, a radical position. I, I hesitate to use radical for reasons that we've talked about in our history series, but, you know, Beijing fears that, that Taiwan will declare what it calls formal independence, which means that, you know, something like constitutional reform to declare that it is the Republic of Taiwan and to drop all um, kind of affiliation with this old Republic of China moniker. Um, and so Beijing sees that as a red line. And so the United States states ambiguity because it, it doesn't necessarily want to state we are going to protect Taiwan if it does something what extreme slash destabilizing like that. And so this idea is dual turns, and that comes back to why we have this policy of strategic ambiguity. So, Can you talk a little bit, James, about what the United States is is obliged to do? And I, you know, talk about the Taiwan Relations Act, the 1979 Taiwan Relations Act, which was a sort of consolation prize for Taipei after the U.S. Uh, switched its recognition over to mainland China. This was a commitment by the United States to support Taiwanese defense, but it's not um, kind of like NATO. Actually, it, it, it's a, it, it doesn't specify what form that that support has to take. And it certainly doesn't specify that it would require a military intervention. Exactly. Right. Um, so the U.S. commitment to Taiwan is outlined in the Taiwan Relations Act, a.k.a. TRA, passed 1979. Um, the TRA replaced an older mutual defense treaty that was signed between the United States and the Republic of China. And uh, when the United States switched recognition from the ROC to the PRC, um, Congress passed this act, which turned it into law. Uh, the TRA, most people know the TRA because it, it obliges the United States to sell arms to Taiwan. That's kind of what it's mostly known for. But the, the TRA also has, I know, I mean, the military industrial complex. We wouldn't that do work. that otherwise. I mean, God, <laughs> America sell weapons to another country. Oh, God, it's so funny how so much of this is organized around selling weapons. It really is. It's not a secret <laughs> history, but it is not discussed about as much as it should be. Our it's hands are tied. There's nothing we could do. We, we don't yeah. want to do it, but... No, Gosh, sorry, we got to no. sell weapons. Sorry, James. Sorry to interrupt. I know those those darn lobbyists in Congress. Anyway, um, so uh, there's actually one section. I think this is what you're alluding to, Derek. There's one section in the TRA that actually outlines something that's that's not just about defense sales. 
it's about kind of, uh, I think the, the terminology is something like um, stability in the Taiwan Strait is of graver utmost concern to the United States. And any kind of action to destabilize that is of utmost concern. Um, so basically it states that the United States is interested in continuing the status quo, it's interested in peace and stability there, but it also kind of reserves the language that, you know, of grave concern, meaning that, you know, potentially something could be done by the United States, which is, of course, also kind of ambiguous. The United States historically doesn't need a law to kind of intervene somewhere, so... <laughs> I mean, I, I'm sure I uh, absolutely not. I'm sure we're actually going to get into this in the longer series. But James, I think for people who might not know, what does the United States see as its interest in Taiwan? So I think this is actually one of those things that has changed over time. Um, initially, you know, I think everybody, well, maybe not everybody, but I think most listeners have heard of the unsinkable aircraft carriers. This is General MacArthur's very famous phrase. Um, to describe Taiwan. So traditionally, it has been this kind of um, geographic, geopolitical bulwark against communism. And this became really kind of obvious after the Korean War, um, you know, NSC 68, containment, domino theory, etc. And Taiwan just became very obviously um, this location that the United States wanted to keep within its own sphere of influence. Um, in order to make sure that, you know, access to blue water, to the Pacific, et cetera, would at least have some sort of U.S. ally um, quite close to China. But I think in recent years, that has changed quite a bit. Um, you know, ever since democratization, I think that uh, Taiwan has been that shining beacon on the hill. You know, it's it's this um, exemplar of democracy and, and also like the, the perfect example of authoritarian government under U.S. influence democratizes. Uh, of course, that democratization, I think, is not really because of U.S. influence, but we can talk about that down the line. Um, how and, dare you? How, how dare you? <laughs> and then uh, most recently, of course, the headlines, TSMC. Taiwan is an integral part of the global economy. I think it's, I've seen studies where it's it's um, like top 10 in terms of its integration in global supply chains and crucially for semiconductors. Uh, and I talk a lot about how TSMC as a foundry, meaning as a manufacturer that only manufactures semiconductors for other firms that design it, um, occupies something like 50% of the market. And so when TSMC is disrupted within the larger supply chain, it affects everything. And the United States uh, is very concerned about this, which is why you see like the United States encouraging TSMC to open uh, fabrication plants in Arizona. So why don't we we end here um, with you describing a bit what is the discussion among Taiwan experts kind of returning to the beginning and and why is this a potentially important moment in the history of U.S.-Taiwan relations? And James, I'd, I'd be particularly interested in whether the consensus in in the sort of Taiwan expert community is that Biden is misspeaking or that he's just not savvy enough to play it cool and he's actually revealing what the policy has become. And if that's true, when did that become the policy? When did, you know, was this ad adopted? Is this a new thing for the Biden administration? Or is this something that changed uh, a while ago and we're just now, you know, 
hearing about it because our our beautiful president can't and his beautiful mind can't stop blurting it out at every occasion. Yeah, so um, I think this is kind of important because strategic ambiguity has been around. It's been the bedrock of kind of uh, U.S. policy in not just with regards to U.S.-China policy, but U.S. policy in East Asia. And it, it just one of those things that just hasn't really changed in, in half a century. It's been remarkably durable. And as a historian, I would say it's been remarkably successful. It's weathered a number of crises, including the uh, 95-96 missile crisis when the 7th Fleet was sent to the Taiwan Strait. And I think that was probably the closest point where you know, the United States might have entered into a war with China over Taiwan. And that was averted. Um, and I think that strategic ambiguity gave the United States a great deal of flexibility in providing deterrence. So I would say that was a fairly successful instance. Um, so I think now, you know, we know 2019, I think, is when some really high-profile political scientists began to call for strategic clarity, meaning that the United States should clarify its defense commitment to Taiwan. Richard Haas, David Sachs wrote that op-ed um, or article in uh, Haas is the president of the CFR. They wrote in Council on Foreign Relations for people yeah. who might not know you. Yeah, um, and they've published two subsequent pieces saying the same thing, that the United States needs strategic clarity, especially in the case of a more aggressive uh, revisionist Beijing. Um, now, I think most Taiwan watchers were hesitant to believe that strategic ambiguity would actually change. And I think that the State Department, I think Blinken has signaled that they're going to stay the course. At least that's that's what it seems so far. But Biden's public statements, I think, have been um, interesting because they've they've been repeated now three or four times. And so this is what's causing some concern. I think that um, some of the reactions out there. So Bonnie Glazer, whom I respect deeply, I think she's one of the, the sharpest and most in tune Taiwan experts out there, um, immediately right away said that the, the Biden administration should immediately give some sort of long, from a senior official, some sort of long policy explanation as to exactly what the U.S. position is in light of these recent you know, gaffes or whatever you want to call them. Um, and I think that that comes from, she's been a supporter of, of strategic ambiguity, and she argues that we should continue strategic ambiguity. I think she says it's good for the United States, it's good for Taiwan, uh, and it's actually good for Beijing. She says it's good for all parties. Um, and I think that there's a lot of, you know, it's it's a very logical and a very uh, good point that she makes. Um, some people are saying that, uh, I think uh, Ryan Haas, for example, said that, um, you know, there might be some concerns from Beijing. You know, the, the, the biggest kind of potential worst case scenario to arise from this is that Beijing becomes very alarmed by this, that, you know, they're, they're seeing this as a change to the status quo. Um, so Ryan Haas is saying that, you know, she and Biden likely will have a discussion about this at some point in the future in which they'll probably work it out. So, you know, Biden will probably kind of most likely say that our position really hasn't changed. Um, and so, He's saying that privately, if there is kind of a soothing out of affairs between Beijing and D.C. directly, that we might not see this as too big of a deal. Um, but there are others who say that, you know, maybe it, it, it maybe it's the case that strategic ambiguity is a public policy that, that says to the world, you know, we want to keep all of our cards in, in what is the, the term, up our sleeves. We don't want to reveal what we have to the rest of the world. But the, the kind of unspoken truth is that the United States 
most likely would do something to protect Taiwan. And so some people are saying that maybe Biden is just saying that kind of unspoken part out loud. Um, and then I think that that like someone like Bonnie Glazer would probably say that's not a good thing. And so I think that's probably where the crux of uh, this most recent change is. And personally speaking, I think I'm, I'm more on Bonnie Glazer's side. I think that strategic ambiguity um, has its benefits, even if the unspoken part is that the United States most likely would commit to Taiwan's defense. James, I have one last question, uh, which is, what is your sense of how these now repeated statements from Biden uh are are being or have been received in Taiwan. I can I can sort of see, you know, the the uh, the argument that this is comforting that maybe you know Taiwanese uh, leaders would like a, a less ambiguous and kind of more clear statement that the United States would intervene militarily. On the other hand, uh, if that risks provoking the PRC to attack Taiwan. Uh, or, or you know, risks inflaming the situation, then maybe you know that's uh, not something that Taiwanese officials would like. I, I'm, I'm not sure uh, which kind of you know ways out, you know, kind of ways out there. But, but um, I'm curious if you have some some thoughts on that. Yeah, that's. I think it's a good question too, because in the Taiwanese media, this has been covered quite a bit. I mean, almost every little kind of policy change, kind of mention of Taiwan. Um, Taiwan has a 24/7 cable news cycle. There are like two dozen cable channels and tons of political shows. So every little thing is covered and kind of nitpicked and gone over a dozen times. So you could imagine... They really are just like us. <laughs> it's true. It, the media landscape is is so similar. Um, and I think that there's a spectrum in Taiwanese politics. Obviously, there are those who are, you know, people who some some might call them kind of like pro-independence people who are a little bit more pro-Taiwan who see this as like, this is great. They're they're This is a reaffirmation of um, what we want to have. We want to have the United States on our side. We want to have this guarantee. We want to show Beijing that, um, you know, like their, their threats are being answered. Um, and then there are those who I think kind of respond or fall into the category of, of the latter part of your question, which is that, you know, is this too provoking? Is this something that might actually um, serve counter to our interests? Um, I think that, you know, obviously, democratic system in Taiwan, you know, people have all different kinds of opinions. And we don't really know what is going on in Beijing. We don't know exactly how they might react. And so I think part of why ambiguity works well is because we also don't have a lot of transparency. I mean, Beijing has said publicly that, you know, they have certain red lines, they have certain things that are absolutes. Um, but, when push comes to shove, we're not exactly 100% sure exactly what will happen. Um, so I think that there there are people in Taiwan who are also kind of like, you know, we need to be a little bit more cautious about this. Um, I think that the Thai administration in particular uh, publicly has voiced its support and very publicly claims these as kind of victories for its administration. But I think they're also quite um, sober or I should say, um, are approaching this with a very clear and, you know, not, not a naive mindset. I think they understand that they're dealing with a very complicated situation. And so I think they're also trying to walk a fine line between um, publicly showing that U.S. support for Taiwan is really important and that this is an important political achievement. But at the same time, it also recognizes that you know, there are lots of other potential consequences and that it doesn't want to 
um, provoke Beijing unnecessarily. James Lin, Assistant Professor of International Studies at the University of Washington. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Thank you.